congregation, our text for today comes from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. Uh, Please remain standing as we now hear God's word from John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So far, the reading of God's word, let us just pray. O Lord, we have read, we have heard your word. We humbly ask for the illumination of your word by your spirit. Comfort us, O Lord, and grant willing strength to receive your word so that by it our lives may be conformed in faithfulness to you. Amen. Please be seated. Congregation, it's a privilege and a pleasure to bring God's word to you today. And at this first day of a new year, it is appropriate that we consider how we might focus our lives to serve our Savior and to serve him faithfully. So bear with me by way of a little illustration. As the narrative has it, two elders visited with George who had not presented for public worship for some weeks. 
George was known for his quietness and for the few words of his conversation. It was a cold winter's night when elders knocked on his door. George invited them in, bid them to sit in front of the open fire. The three sat quietly for some time until one took a hold of the fire tong, removed a burning coal from the fire and placed it in front of the fire. Without speech, the three sat and watched as the flames of the lone burning coal gradually expired. When it became clear that the fire had left the coal, all that, was rem- that remained was coal and some ashes. George turned to his visitors with these words, Thank you so much. I've heard the message. The visitors prayed, warmly embraced George and left. A warm fire requires a critical mass of burning coal lest the flames go out. Does this illustration touch you? Jesus' words as recorded in the very next chapter, John chapter 15 verse 4, say this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. May this text, out of the, out of the context of the preceding chapter that we will focus the, uh, on fractionally today, may that speak to you. The elect in Christ live in a hostile world. John chapter 14 opens up with these words that Jesus said, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. Jesus well knew the many arduous troubles, the many difficulties, the many conflicts, the high price of the journey that lay ahead for his disciples and for his followers. That's you and I as well. Jesus knew that they would face certain conflict and death at the hands of hostile, ungodly men. Great distress awaited them, and therefore Jesus taught them the remedy. Peace in the midst of turmoil and conflict requires exceedingly great comfort. When hardship, calamities, and hope seems lost due to circumstances that overpower us, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in him and trust God. Abiding in Jesus takes much patience, much determination and commitment. How shall we do this? You and I, all of us, need the comfort of the Holy Spirit and we must daily increase our determination to walk after Jesus' ways. That's what it takes to keep his commandments, determination, dedication and self-discipline to walk in him And here comes the key, who alone is able to keep his commandments, you and I cannot of ourselves. Yes, he keeps his commandments, not we. 
Our text informs us that the world cannot have any knowledge of the Comforter because the eyes of all men are blind to him unless by an act of sovereign divine grace the curtain is rolled back and the Spirit is revealed. Those who know the Spirit are comforted and blessed beyond measure. Now our text today, verses 14 to 31, can be broken into three separate parts. The first part, verses 15 to 18, teach us about the promised comforter. Verses 19 to 24 teach us the comfort of the divine presence. And verses 25 to 31 teach us the gift of peace. First, let us consider the promised comforter. Verse 15 Walk with me through the text, if you would. I will go each verse, verse by verse, up to the last bit, and then I'll skip a bit. The promised comforter, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. We, like the disciples, love Jesus, and yet we are influenced, we are affected by superstitious and speculative reasoning. It's part of our human nature. Calvin said, our minds are factories of idolatry, and indeed they are. How shall we get clear sight on this text then? Can we earn our salvation by keeping God's commandments? Well, I'm sure you know the, the right answer to that question. No way. Not at all. The disciples sought to maintain the physical company of Jesus. He was of great comfort to them. This narrative in verses 15 through 31 is all about the comforter, our advocate with the Father. Jesus bids his disciples to occupy themselves in keeping his commandments. God's commandments teach us precisely how sinful our natural affections are. They show us that even with the greatest dedication of love for Jesus, our love is not without sinful inclination. Our love for Jesus must, however, be driven out of perfect obedience. Jesus' instruction to keep his commandments should govern our lives like a governor stops a truck engine from over-revving. Out of the love of the Father in the work of Jesus, the commands of the Father are kept perfectly. Out of the love of Jesus the Son for those whom the Father has given him, even before the foundation of the world, he merits the determination of the Father that we keep his commandments. It is his work, not ours. Greater love is not possible. Jesus laid down his life to pay for our transgressions, to settle the debt of sinful men so that they are declared righteous in him. In John 17, 6, Jesus says, because the elect in God, in the Son, have heard his word, they have believed. Verse 16 and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Though Jesus is physically absent from us, and like his disciples, we may languish his physical presence, 
he assures us that the Comforter will provide the strength and the means by which to keep his commandments. We see that the Comforter is with us to help us in our shortfall of conformity to his commands. We should take note of Paul's reflection here. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You see, the gift of the Father is the comforter. Jesus gave his followers great comfort. He is the comforter. His disciples were greatly comforted in his presence, but now he is about to leave them. And now before he departs to go to the Father, he promises another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from Jesus to comfort the saints. He is with us always to preserve the saints, even while they endure the vicious assaults of the evil one. Jesus is our comforter, mediator, and intercessor. Jesus secures from the Father the grace of spirit, but given that he is God, he gives grace of himself. The comforter we have with us always, not just with us, but in us. He abides with and in us forever. The only true remedy that can soothe the deepest grief of his disciples, the deepest grief that you and I may experience, that only remedy that we would experience is because of Jesus We may experience that in his absence, but he is not far from us. In our greatest hour of need, we can come to Jesus by way of his prayers. Jesus said, I will pray the Father. And by this he assured his disciples of eternal comfort and through this promise that he will give the saints the strength to keep his commandments. If this was not so, his exhortation would have been lame. Jesus' disciples, his followers, you and I, are never left without the assistance we need. He remains with us by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real and present with the elect. The Comforter is with us now. He is with you now, right here. Know him. Be close to him. Treasure him always. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Jesus ascribed to the Holy Spirit the distinguished title of the spirit of truth by which he declares him to be our master and our teacher of all truth. Our human comprehension and apprehension of Jesus is weak and frail, easily distorted by natural vanity and falsehood. We need inward instruction through the work of the Holy Spirit. God is his own interpreter, and he will make things plain. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried 
along by the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter 1.21. And note also that the psalmist could say, Psalm 25, 8 in 8 to 12, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in the way he should choose. While Jesus walked on the earth, he came as one given by the Father to comfort his own. Jesus faithfully performed every duty of his office. Following his ascension to be with the Father, he made provision for ongoing comfort. There is no end to the comfort we have in Christ through the work and operation of the Holy Spirit by whom his elect are continually guarded and protected from evil and from the schemes of the domain of darkness. Nothing can separate us from the love of God the Father. Jesus served his office on earth, appeasing the wrath of God by atoning for our sins, redeeming men from death and damnation and and to procure for them righteousness and life. The Holy Spirit is given to minister to our deepest needs, to teach us, to lead us in our walk. Until we have been inwardly instructed by him, our understandings are locked up in vanity and deceitfulness. The world cannot receive the light of the Spirit because it does not know him and cannot see him. Isaiah says, Isaiah 60 verse 2, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Lord's mercy towards his church is an exceptional privilege exclusively benefiting his saints. This cannot be enjoined by those outside the church. Let me repeat that. Those outside Christ cannot know the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, cannot know Jesus. The natural man despises heavenly illumination. The pride of man extinguishes true knowledge. The pride of man extinguishes true knowledge. That any man should have his mind and heart illumined by the Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift from the Father only by the experience of faith. Verse 18. This verse touches my heart deeply. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Men who are deprived of the protection of the Holy Spirit are as orphans, exposed, unsheltered, without protection from every perversion of life, open to fraud and injustice, incapable of self-governance, unwilling to be outwardly governed. You see, autonomous man, apart from Christ, autonomous man will not be governed. He will have none of it. This is man's defect because of sin. David spoke of the comfort that the Lord imparts to his elect. He did so in Psalm 10, 
between verses 12 and 14, where he says, Arise, O Lord, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. You have been the helper of the fatherless and orphan. The only remedy for man's great defect is to be helped by the Spirit of the Lord. That's why David could say in Psalm 51 verse 11, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And to that, Jesus says to you and to me, I will come to you. And by this he declares the manner by which he dwells in and with his people. In this manner, he fills all things. The grace of his spirit is abiding evidence of his divinity. The grace of his spirit is abiding evidence of his divinity. Now momentarily we turn to the next section, the comfort of divine presence. Verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Jesus' disciples had much to learn from his leaving them and from his ascension to be with the Father. At first there would be apparent emptiness due to his physical absence, but that would last only until their eyes of faith would apprehend Christ's presence in and through his Spirit. To behold Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit is enough to quench the vacuum and to fill the void. Jesus is more than enough to be your balm in sorrow. He is more than enough to be your comforter. He fills everything. He is all-powerful. He is God. Jesus lives and so shall I, says the, 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 the words of a famous hymn. Here we see how Christ is the cause of our life. Jesus explains why he shall be seen by his followers and not by the world. The world cannot see him because of lack of spiritual discernment. The world is devoid of it, and without the gift of the Spirit, they know only the death of blindness. The Holy Spirit opens the eyes of faith so Christ can be seen and his presence known. The life of Christ proceeds from spiritual discernment. Our eyes must be directed to Christ and his life must be conveyed to us by faith. In this, our consciences may be convinced that so long as Christ lives, we are free from all danger and destruction. Here we may be assured that Jesus' life would be nothing if his members are dead. He lives, therefore we too shall live. Verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Now in Acts 5, verse 18, we read of the arrest of the apostles and their imprisonment at the hand of the high priest. During the night, the Lord opened the prison doors so that they could teach in the temple the next day. But Acts 5, verses 38 to 40, teach us another very, very interesting thing. I hope you can see it too. Gamaliel, and as a slight, side, slow, as a slight side note, 
Gamaliel was the teacher under whom the apostle Paul studied. His school of of learning, of rabbinical learning, is renowned. Gamaliel, who had been Paul's teacher and ran a most respected rabbinic school, stood up and said, Keep away from these men, leave them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. Here we have the Holy Spirit speaking through the mouth of one who did not know him. But it was efficacious because it came from God. This is the boldness that we have through the Spirit. A boldness that Paul spoke of in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. You may read with me if you wish. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death to to the other a fragrance from life to life who is sufficient for these things. We are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Turning now to the last part of our text, the gift of peace. Beginning at verse 26, but the help of the Holy Spirit will teach you all things And bring to your remembrance all things I have said to you. Well, may you ask, what work does the Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, proceeding from Christ in his saints, continues to comfort, to reassure, to exhort, and to protect his elect saints. Christ, the protector of his disciples, as he dwelt in the world and afterwards he committed to them the protection, guardianship, and instruction of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guardian in life and also in death, even as Christ is our great teacher and protector. There is nothing improper in inferring from this passage a distinction of persons. For there must be some peculiarity in which the Spirit differs from the Son so as to be as an another than the Son himself. We see here a profound mystery of the triune divinity, the Trinity, the economy of the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What, if, what is true of one is also true of all three persons, for all are one. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now in respect of this, Augustine says this, although even God, who has no local bounds to his presence, 
may depart from the hearts of those who turn away from him, not with their feet, but with their moral character, just as he comes to such as turn to him, not with their faces, but in faith, and approach him in the spirit and not in the flesh, but they, that they might understand that it was only in respect of his human nature that he said, I go and come to you. He went on to say, if you loved me, you would surely rejoice, because I go unto the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So then, in that very respect wherein the Son is not equal to the Father, in that he was it was that he was to go to the Father just as from him is he hereafter to judge the quick and the dead, in so far as the only begotten is equal to him that begot, he never withdraws from the Father, but with him everywhere perfectly equal in the Godhead, which knows of no local limitations. For being as he was in the form of God, as the Apostle says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, for how could that nature be robbery which was his, not by usurpation, but by birth? But he emptied himself, taking upon him the form of a servant. Quoting there from Philippians 2, 6-7. And so not losing the former, but assuming the latter, and emptying himself in that very respect wherein he stood forth before us here in a humbler state than that wherein he remained with the Father. Congregation, let us take to heart and be encouraged in our walk. Jesus abides in and with you. Christ's elect have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Let us be as Elisha, when Elijah was taken up into heaven by the chariots of fire and the Lord's horsemen. Please turn with me to the second book of Kings, chapter 2. Second book of Kings, chapter 2. Beginning at verse 8 through to verse 15. That's second book of Kings, chapter 2, 8 to 15. Hear now God's word. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, <clears throat> Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elijah, Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Now pay particular attention to the next few verses. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into piece, two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him 
and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. So far, the reading from that text. Let each of us confidently put on the mantle of faith. Let us walk in the ways of the Lord in the strength of the Holy Spirit this year and forevermore. Today, as we face a new year, by the grace of the Lord, it will be another year of growing closer to him. Do not permit the anguish and afflictions of life the torment of evil in the world, nor the distractions that come out of the darkness hinder our walk. Don't let life's events disturb our peace and our walk with the Lord. Prayerfully petition the Lord that our hearts may be set upon the work of the Spirit, that we may trust and obey the voice of he who bids us to come so that we may experience the peace of his abiding presence always. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we ask for grace and mercy that we may receive your word, a willing spirit to follow your most wise counsel and with gratitude of heart so that we may radiate your glory in our walk of life. Keep us from evil, thus be our shield and our defense from corruption. And when we falter and stumble, grant that we may flee peevish ways and run to you for comfort and correction. Amen.